Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to World Weekly with me, Daniel Dombey. On the show this week, we will be looking at Donald Trump's decision to pull out of a nuclear deal with Iran, what some people term the most momentous foreign policy move of his presidency to date. Despite a frenetic European lobbying effort involving personal trips by both French President Emmanuel Macron and German Chancellor Angela Merkel, Mr Trump not only decided to end US involvement in the Obama-era Iran deal, but to impose the highest level of economic sanctions. He has shaken up the map of the Middle East, global oil markets and traditional alliances with Europe and beyond. Joining me on the line from Baghdad is Andrew England, the FT's Middle East editor, and with me in the studio is Katrina Manson, the FT's US foreign policy and defence correspondent. Katrina, can you run through the Iran deal, what it really is, and why Mr Trump is so strongly opposed to it? Well, the Iran deal really was the crowning foreign policy achievement of the Obama administration. Some say there you have right there one of the reasons that Mr Trump is so opposed to it, because Obama did it. But it did something really interesting. It brought together seven signatories. That's the UK, France, Germany, Russia, China, America and indeed Iran, in 2015, and Iran committed to limit its nuclear production abilities. Now, that was important because people were worried that they were racing towards a nuclear bomb. It's not quite clear that they actually were doing that, but they certainly had the facilities to create nuclear material. So in exchange for giving up that ability and and a commitment to keep nuclear material at limited levels, The US undid a whole range of sanctions that had really crippled the Iran economy. And that was the balance that everyone has since tried to maintain. Now, Mr. Trump said right from the start that he hated this deal. Yesterday, he talked about the lunacy of an Iranian nuclear bomb and thought that the deal itself doesn't prevent that. He talked from the start of his campaign about an embarrassing deal, the worst deal ever, a terrible deal, humiliating for the US. And the reason he says he doesn't like it is really twofold. One is because he says it does nothing to stop Iran getting towards a nuclear bomb. He thinks that there was a weak inspection regime that Iran was still trying to develop intercontinental ballistic missiles that might one day reach the US and that the deal's provisions in any case expire over time. So he didn't like any of that. But he also didn't like Iran's wider regional behaviour. And he effectively thought Obama had given Iran a free pass. It had only concentrated on the nuclear element of the deal. And in exchange, Iran had, he thought, run riot across the region in Syria, in Yemen, in Lebanon, and was continuing to develop its ballistic missiles. So he absolutely hated the deal. And he made that very clear yesterday. Thanks very much. I suppose we should add at this point that the UN nuclear watchdog said that Iran was in compliance with the deal and that it got access to all the facilities it wanted to see as part of it, which I suppose is a counter to some of what Mr Trump said. But Andrew, can I just then look at your point of view? Why was this deal so important to the government of Hassan Rouhani in Tehran? Well, the deal essentially is the two main pillars of President Rouhani's economic and foreign policy. As Katrina mentioned, Iran had fallen into a deep recession because of the sanctions imposed by Western nations, particularly the US. 
and the country was desperate to get some sort of economic revival. Now, the deal meant that many of the sanctions were lifted. Iran was able to double its oil exports. Western companies started to invest. Total's investing in an oil and gas field. Renault, Peugeot have invested in terms of uh, car manufacturing plants. And then from a foreign policy perspective, it's all about Iran engaging and opening up to the world after years of sort of prior status and using the economic dividend from opening up its relations with the West. So without that, you know, there's always the risk that the economy slides back into recession. He's dealing with a huge amount of youth unemployment, a lot of dissatisfaction with the delivery of services. So for him, you know, this was the deal that allowed him to say, look, I can deliver a better economy. I can start to meet the aspirations of youthful Iranians and we can open up. We must remember that Iran has a very aspirant, urbanized youthful population. Last year's election was seen as a referendum on the deal and people overwhelmingly voted for Rouhani in the hope that they would get better relations with the West and that the economy would pick up. If the deal is collapsed or unraveled, then the risk is all their aspirations are destroyed, more social unrest, more social concerns, and Rouhani doesn't have the economic levers to deliver a better future. And Andrew, I suppose also it will be a bit of a signal lesson for any future Iranian politician who wants to stick his or her neck out for engagement with the West in general and the US in particular. I think beyond Iran, I mean, I think you know, people, particularly the Europeans who are signatories, still say that this was a model international deal to deal with a brewing crisis. Why should anybody trust the US or international signatories in the future? There are hardliners in Iran who always felt that he shouldn't have signed it and we can't trust the US. And this is merely going to reinforce those views and put more pressure internally on Rouhani from his opponents within the regime who said, you know, you were duped. We never got the benefits that you said we were going to get and we should never have signed it. Katrina, Andrew mentioned the Europeans and of course we've talked about Emmanuel Macron and Angela Merkel making these last minute, ultimately fruitless trips to the US. Why was this deal so important to the Europeans and what can they do now, do you think? Well, it was so important probably for three reasons. The first is quite simply, they thought this deal did the job. They thought Iran's nuclear programme was constrained, it was working very well, it didn't tackle everything else that they didn't like about Iran, but it was never meant to. And so they want to keep it because they think it's very important to constrain Iran's nuclear behaviour. The second is because really Trump has humiliated the idea of the transatlantic alliance here. I mean, this is a deal that the US opened up. It actually started negotiations with Iran in secret. And the Europeans were aghast at the beginning, but they came on board and they backed this wholesale at the UN, in the EU. It's a fundamental part of the rule-based order that the Europeans like to support. And what's more, as you say, there has been an incredible lobbying effort to try and keep Trump in the deal. And really, the Europeans have put enormous effort into this and have lost a lot of face. And they'd also tried to offer him many concessions over the last four months, negotiating alternatives that might keep him happy, conciliate him to this deal. And he's not accepted any of that. The third is that Europeans have a lot of money invested in Iran. They'd really taken advantage of the opportunities that sanctions relief had offered as part of the overall hope of bringing Iran into the Western fold and also of making money. Trump didn't seem to like that idea, but the Europeans now are extremely committed to Iran. 
What are they going to do now? They're going to try and save a deal, which really looks dead. I mean, they've launched an extraordinary commitment to say, well, five countries will now be part of this deal and we want to keep it alive. And so does Iran. It's really, really hard to see how they'll do it. It might need some kind of legal protection of European companies that invested in Iran. It's not clear if that legal protection can offer any defence against US sanctions. The latest we're hearing is that the Europeans are asking for so-called carve-outs so that Mr Trump might actually allow specific European companies to keep trading in Iran. Now, if Trump has actually those companies and those benefits in his sights, it's hard to understand how the administration will offer those concessions. And Katrina, just to be clear, we're here talking about companies ranging from Peugeot to Total to many other European household names that uh, piled into Iran because they thought that they'd have a go-ahead. The deal never really allowed US involvement, but it was always European companies that piled in, even if banks held back. And it's those companies' future investments in Iran that is really now in jeopardy, isn't it? That's right. I mean, there are Nestle warehouses in Iran There is also South Korean Japanese investment in infrastructure. There are Chinese oil importers. So you have a global reach of the kind of investment that you've seen and also a sense that US allies really have committed to this. So as well as the Europeans, the South Koreans, the Japanese all have a presence on the ground. And the Trump administration has given them three to six months to wind down their contracts. They can't start any initial contracts starting from yesterday. But if they have got an existing investment, they're expected to get out. And Andrew... What's the reaction been in the Middle East to this? I mean, we've obviously had a number of countries, particularly in the Gulf, but were really opposed to this deal from the get-go and lobbied very hard from 2015 against the deal. I'm thinking of Saudi, of some of the other Gulf countries, of Israel. How are they responded to this move by uh, Mr. Trump? Well, I think we should start with Iran. I mean, Iran has been restrained so far in its response, I think, so far. It has said that it will stay in the deal for now and it will depend on Europe, the European signatories, to ensure that it can be implemented. And that essentially means that Iran still gets the economic dividend. But they've also said that if the deal collapses, you know, they will step up their nuclear activities. I think in the region, what you're seeing is the split within the region. So there are those who are pro-US, allied to Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, so I'm talking about Bahrain, the exiled government in Yemen. They've all welcomed Trump's decision, as the Saudis have. As you say, they were never in favour of the deal. They always felt it would embolden Iran. And by that, they mean Iran would step up its role in the region, in Arab countries, in regional conflicts. So they're very happy. I think there are other nations who are going to be quite concerned about what this means and whether it could trigger more instability in the region. I'm in Iraq at the moment, where they're about to hold elections. And, you know, here's a country which is neighbouring Iran, you know, wants to have relations with the US, and they've got to now balance out that relationship at a time when hostilities between those two powers are increasing. You know, Lebanon, we've just seen Hezbollah do very well in the national elections. And, you know, Hezbollah is seen as an Iranian proxy. So I'm sure there are Lebanese who are going to be concerned that this ratcheting up of tensions could suck Lebanon into potentially conflict, but certainly the region hostilities. Israel, again, which has expressed a lot of concern about Iranian forces and Hezbollah forces on its border in southern Syria, has welcomed Trump's decision and allegedly launched a fresh airstrike in Syria hours after Trump's decision. 
So there are always these concerns that you know, a misstep or something gets out of hand and suddenly you have a regional conflict between those pro-Iranian forces and Saudi-allied pro-US forces. And particularly people will now be watching what happens in southern Syria. You know, during the conflict in Syria, Iran has gone in and backed uh, President Bashar al-Assad. Hezbollah has gone in and backed uh, President Bashar al-Assad as well. So I think there will be a lot of concern that this could give carte blanche to Israel to step up its attacks on Hezbollah and possibly Iranian targets in Syria, that there will be growing tensions in the region. And as I said, you know, the great fear is that whilst everyone says they don't want war, something escalates and suddenly you have a conflict. And Katrina, this isn't the end of a story, is it? Because Mr. Trump was clear that there are additional sanctions coming down the road. What do we know about what the US is planning against Iran in terms of additional measures? Well, we know that Mr. Trump in particular doesn't like Iran's ballistic missile program. How he tries to stop that, if this economic squeeze will work, remains to be seen. He very clearly laid his loyalty with the Iranian people in his announcement. And he has, of course, recently appointed John Bolton as his national security advisor. He's always been an advocate of regime change in Iran. So people are trying to work out if that is the larger play that the US is following and if there's another way to try and precipitate that further, more than reimposing these sanctions. Now, Bolton actually gave a briefing where he said that that is not the aim. Regime change isn't what the US is trying to achieve through this. They are trying to simply push back on Iran's so-called malign activities in the region, as well as extract a better nuclear deal. But it's very hard to see if they can do anything like that now, given how much they've upset the Iranians and the Europeans and indeed to look at what the US might do next. It's made very clear that its alliance with Saudi Arabia and Israel couldn't be stronger. As Andrew said, the prospects of a confrontation in the region are um, getting ever higher. So we'd expect to see the US keep squeezing Iran's foreign policy, its diplomacy, its economy in every way, really, that it can. And Andrew, just to finish up, maybe the $64 billion question goes to you. Let's zoom out for a moment in terms of what a difference this is all ultimately going to make to questions of war and peace. You talked about a number of different theatres in the Middle East where conflict could strike up. But in the great scheme of things, how important was the Iran deal in terms of keeping a cap on nuclear proliferation in this combustible part of the world? I think let's go back to the beginning a little bit. The nuclear deal was agreed just to deal with a nuclear issue. Iran always insisted it wasn't planning to produce a nuclear weapon, but there were clear concerns that it was. And so the deal was seen as, by its, certainly by its advocates, as a positive move in restricting Tehran's nuclear ambitions and nuclear activities. Its role in the region was never part of the deal, and its ballistic missile program was never part of the deal. And this is what upset Mr. Trump. Now, Iran has always had a role in the Middle East, certainly since the 1979s like revolution. It's always backed Hezbollah. It's always had its proxies, Hamas, in one of the Palestinian factions. And it was involved in the Syrian conflict before the deal was signed in 2015. And from an Iranian perspective, this is all about national security. Iran borders Iraq, so that's clearly a security concern. And in Syria, they would say, you know, we're defending a government, an ally, and Shia shrines. So the regional role has always been there. Now, critics of the deal say, 
the economic benefits Iran has received from the deal has given it more money to spend on its proxies and emboldened it to take an even stronger role. What this does, I think it escalates those tensions. I think if the deal collapses, you remove a clear platform where people could have dialogue, if you have engagement, if you have economic relations, it was something that people could talk about. So critics would say that this is only going to escalate the tensions and increase the risk that these regional conflicts, where there are proxy wars being fought, suddenly spill over into something else and you do get a conflict. There is a general assumption that Iran doesn't want a war, that the Israelis don't want a war, even the Trump administration doesn't want a war, but the fear is you get a, a spark and it becomes something bigger. Well, thank you very much indeed, Andrew England and Katrina Manson. It isn't every week that we end the podcast with a cliffhanger, but this week we did, uh, rather back to the old days of radio. Until next week, goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.